Hey there, this is Patrick, and you're listening to Youth, St. Stephen, a podcast produced by the Youth Ministries at St. Stephen Lutheran Church. Thanks for joining us today. We're so glad you're here with us. Hey there, how you doing? Welcome to week three of Atypical. We're going to jump in with some quick family feud questions and survey says answers. Look out this week for a family feud on our Instagram stories that relate to our series, because why not? Anyways, though, name a throwback TV show that teens love to watch. Survey says Friends. Coming in second, The Office. After you take a selfie, what might you do with it? Survey says, add it to your story. Second, add a filter. What's something you do when you wake up in the morning? Survey says, check your phone. Number two, hit snooze. What might you do if you want to go thrifting? Survey says, go on eBay. Number two, go on to pop. Am I, am I the only one that doesn't know what to pop is? Anyways, name a food you can eat with your hands. Survey says pizza. Number two, tacos. Name a reason you might not respond to a text. Survey says I forgot. Number two, I was busy. Name something you never leave your house without. Survey says phone. Number two, your keys. What's something teens look forward to? Survey says, oh boy, this is this is fun. Prom number two, graduation. Those, those hurt right now. Those definitely hurt. Oh boy. All right. Name a place where you might hear music. Survey says concert number two, restaurant. Name a kid's game where teens and adults actually enjoy playing together. Okay, maybe. Uh, survey says hide and seek number two, twister. Name something you see at a carnival. Survey says Ferris wheel. Number two, carousel. And last but not least, name something that parents encourage their kids to do. Survey says homework. Number two, practice. There are some conversations that are just awkward, but then there are conversations that are just plain difficult to have with a family member. I'm talking about the kind of tough conversations you have to have when there's a conflict and somebody's felt hurt or they've made a bad decision or they need to apologize. Real quick, two questions. How often do you have tough conversations with your family members and how much do you enjoy having those tough conversations 30 seconds on the clock Thank you.
Like we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, every family is an atypical family because no family is perfect. And because no family is perfect, every family occasionally has to go through a tough conversation. Maybe those conversations happen because of a difference of opinion or an unwise choice that somebody made. Maybe someone's feelings got hurt or a misunderstanding just needs to be addressed. Typical families either avoid having these conversations or they have them, but they don't go very well. Atypical families, however, approach their tough family conflicts and conversations differently. For the last couple of weeks, we've been saying that your atypical family can be used by God to do amazing atypical things in our world. But how? Last week, we talked about how atypical families pray for each other when there is conflict in their family. Today, we'll discover a second thing atypical families do. So far in this series, we've met two families. The family of Adam and Eve, the world's very first family, and the family of Abraham. Both of these families were atypical and imperfect in their own ways. Disobedience to God, lies, murder, Conflict and disagreements make the stories of these families far from perfect. Today, I want to introduce to you another family. This story is about the family of Isaac and Rebekah and their sons, Jacob and Esau. Isaac was the son of Abraham, which means Jacob and Esau were Abraham's grandsons. But Jacob and Esau's story isn't the story of brotherly love, it was an imperfect relationship. From the start. Genesis chapter 25. Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife because she was barren. God answered his prayer and Rebekah became pregnant. But the children tumbled and kicked inside her so much that she said, If this is the way that it's going to be, why go on living? She went to God to find out what was going on. God told her, Two nations are in your womb, two peoples butting heads while still in your body. One people will overpower the other, and the older will serve the younger. When her time to give birth came, sure enough, there were twins in her womb. The first came out reddish, as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. They named him Esau, Harry. His brother followed, his fist clutched tight to Esau's heel. They named him Jacob. Heel. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. The boys grew up. Esau became an expert hunter and outdoorsman. Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors among the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, Jacob was cooking a stew. Esau came in from the field, starved. Esau said to Jacob, Give me some of that red stew. I'm starved. That's how he became Edom, red. Jacob said, make me a trade, my stew for your rights as the firstborn. Esau said, I'm starving. What's good is a birthright if I'm dead. Jacob said, first swear to me, and he did it. On oath, Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn. Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and drank, got up and left. That's how Esau 
shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. Genesis 27 When Isaac had become an old man and was nearly blind, he called his eldest son Esau and said, My son. Yes, father. I'm an old man, he said. I might die any day now. Do me a favor and get your quiver of arrows and your bow and go out of the country and hunt me some game. Then fix me a hearty meal, the kind you know I like, and bring it to me so I can eat and so that I can give you my personal blessing before I die. Rebekah was eavesdropping as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. As soon as Esau had gone off to the country to hunt game for his father, Rebekah spoke to her son Jacob. I just overheard your father talking with your brother, Esau. He said, bring me some game and fix me a hearty meal so that I can eat and bless you with God's blessing before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do what I tell you. Go to the flock and go get me two young goats. Pick the best. I'll prepare them into a hearty meal, the kind your father loves. Then you'll take it to your father and he'll eat and bless you before he dies. But mother, Jacob said, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I have smooth skin. What happens if my father touches me? He'll think I'm playing games with him. I'll bring down a curse on myself instead of a blessing. If it comes to that, I'll take the curse on myself, said his mother. Now just go do what I say. Go and get the goats. Summarizing the rest of chapter 27, Rebekah and Jacob tricked Isaac into giving Jacob his blessing. Esau vowed revenge, so Rebekah told Jacob to go to her brother Laban. Genesis 32 Then Jacob sent messengers on ahead to his brother Esau in the land of Seir in Edom. He instructed them, Tell my master Esau this, a message from your servant, Jacob. I've been staying with Laban and couldn't get away until now. I've acquired cattle and donkeys and sheep, also men and women servants. I'm telling you all this, my master, hoping for your approval. Summarizing the rest of Genesis 32, Jacob heard that Esau was coming to meet him. He was afraid and sent gifts. That night he wrestled with a man who renamed him Israel. I've had some tough conversations with my family before, but nothing like the conversation Jacob and Esau are about to have. Jacob knows he needs to make things right with his brother Esau. But who knows what Esau could be thinking? You know, when conflict happens, but you're too stubborn or angry or afraid to have tough conversations with your family, it leaves room for some ugly things to grow. After years of silence, Esau might hate Jacob. He might even want him dead. Genesis 33 Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. He divided the children between Leah and Rachel and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants out in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. He led the way, and as he approached his brother, 
bowed seven times, honoring his brother. But Esau ran up and embraced him, held him tight, and kissed him. And they both wept. Then Esau looked around and saw the women and children. And who are these with you? Jacob said, The children that God saw fit to bless me with. Then the maidservants came up with their children and bowed. Then Leah and her children also bowing. And finally, Joseph and Rachel came up and bowed to Esau. Esau then asked, And what was the meaning of all those herds that I met? I was hoping they would pave the way for my master to come welcome me. Esau said, Oh, brother, I have plenty of everything. Keep what is yours for yourself. Jacob said, Please, if you can find it in your heart to welcome me, accept these gifts. When I saw your face, it was as the face of God smiling on me. Accept the gifts I have brought to you. God has been good to me, and I have more than enough. Jacob urged the gifts on him, and Esau accepted. Then Esau said, Let's start on our way. I'll take the lead. Amazingly, Esau didn't let the years of separation from his brother fill him with the hatred and anger that it could have. Instead, Esau wanted to have a relationship with Jacob again. But Jacob and Esau's conversations could have gone very differently. It makes sense that Jacob was afraid to meet with Esau. He was probably ashamed to admit the wrong he had done. But he was also afraid that Esau might retaliate. Esau could have screamed at Jacob, maybe attacked him, or you know, even killed him. And that would have been understandable, right? Jacob had stolen so much from Esau and never made it right. But against all odds, Esau didn't show up to kill Jacob. He showed up with open arms, ready to have a conversation. Esau's willingness to have a conversation with Jacob, even after what Jacob did to him, man, it's pretty amazing. And it was absolutely essential to healing their relationship. Many years after Jacob and Esau reconciled, Jesus preached a sermon to a group of his followers. Part of that sermon was about having tough conversations. Matthew 18. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If you won't listen, take one or two others along so the presence of witnesses will at least keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. And if he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with a need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. You know, God loves to see us living at peace with each other, but not fake peace, where we smile at each other, but we secretly hate each other. Like we learned two weeks ago when we read the story of Adam and Eve, God designed us to be in relationship with God and with other people. When we refuse to have tough conversations with each other, it separates us from other people. And when we hang on to bitterness and anger, it keeps us from having a closer relationship with God too. Throughout our series, we've been saying that if you want God to use your family to do atypical things, sometimes you have to be that first person in your family to do something atypical. That's what Esau did. And it's what Jesus teaches us to do too. When you've hurt or been hurt, 
by someone in your family, the typical response, stay angry, avoid them, be bitter. But Esau chose to do the atypical thing. He met with Jacob, and they had a tough conversation. It might seem way too simple, but not-so-typical families have tough conversations. Just like tough conversations change Jacob and Esau's families for the better, being willing to have tough conversations with our families can change them for the better too. Every family has conflicts that they struggle to solve or make right. But atypical families choose to have tough conversations to stay in relationship with each other. Having tough conversations, it makes room for healing and repentance. It helps us learn to communicate and understand each other's perspectives. It gives us a chance to create a solution together that benefits not only us, but everyone. But how do you have tough conversations? Having conversations with a family member, it doesn't have to be complicated. It could be as simple as asking, hey, can we talk about what happened? Being patient when they share their feelings and their perspectives. Really listening to their point of view. Being honest about what you think and feel, even when it's hard. Admitting when you're wrong and valuing your relationship more than being right. Think right now about a conflict you have with a family member. Now, imagine how that conflict could be transformed if you were willing to have that tough conversation about it. How do you think a tough conversation could change your attitude or perspective? How do you think that conversation could change the person you're fighting with? And how do you think having a tough conversation could begin to change your family's pattern of behavior in the long term. All right, look, I know it can be scary to have tough conversations with your family. Our family members, they have more power than anyone to make us feel safe, to make us feel loved. But they also have more power than anyone to hurt us. If there's a tough conversation that you want or you need to have with a family member, maybe we can practice having those tough conversations here first. Because here at church, we might not be your family by blood, but we're still a family. Is there a tough conversation that you need to have with a family member? Find someone here in our group and practice that conversation together. Is there a tough conversation that you need to have with a friend? Practice that conversation here together. Is there a tough conversation that you need to have with somebody in this group? Have it. And props to you if you can't think of any tough conversations that you need to have. I tell you, you know what? Invent a family conflict. Practice having that tough conversation together. But I think the biggest thing out of this whole series that I've learned today is that we need to step up. We need to be those people that have that conversation because sometimes that other person will never grow the confidence to have the conversation, but you might. You have so much on your side. You have our family. You have your family. And most importantly, you have God. Let that empower you. Let that be your strength. Until next week, 
I love you guys. Stay safe. Stay strong. God bless. Well, hey there. You're still listening. You are the true MVP. Give yourself a nice pat on the back. We as a ministry for today's youth pour our heart into these episodes. And when someone goes all in and listens to everything we've got, it makes our heart shine. So thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, share it with a friend. Send them a text or a snap and feel free to post us on your story. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. You can send us an audio message on Anchor. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining in and spending some time together. We can't wait to see you again. Check out what else we've got for you at stephen.org slash youth. And remember, God loves you no matter what. See you soon.